Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. How many, how many of you uh, are having or problems at times with relationship, whether it's at home or whether it's at the workplace or at school, wherever you may be, that you've had a problem with relationship? Anybody? Okay. Man, that's pretty good. Just a few of you. Uh, so the most of you guys are, are getting along with others. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about, uh, I've entitled this, this message today about having, or it's a question, having problems loving. Are you having problems loving? And uh, so we, we want to look into the Word of God. Uh, at the end of the service, uh, we're going to also be uh, uh, accepting uh, uh, a few members into the fellowship here, and um, if you if you've been a part of the uh, lighthouse, or you've been coming, or you want information, uh, every once in a while we well, uh, probably in another few months, or if there's people that are signed up for that, uh, we have opportunity to say, hey, I I want to commit to this place. I want to be a part of this. Uh, this body of believers, and uh, I thank God that that despite the fact that we're not perfect, uh, that we can love one another. And today, I want to I want to talk about this thing of of loving one another, and we are recognizing that we are uh, not just you know coming to church. But if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, supernaturally, there is a work that is done immediately to bring us from a a place of being dead in trespasses and sins, because we're dealing with sin, that which separates us. And it... And even as we would confess our sins and we confess and believe on Jesus Christ and what he did for us on a cross 2,000 years ago, and as we would begin to love the Lord in following him and and submitting to his lordship, there's amazing things that happen. And one of the main things that happens right, right away is this thing of us being put into the body of Christ, and also that we come become alive and we are part of the family of God. In John 1, verse 12 and 13, and leading up to those two verses, it talked about the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And that even as he came, he was the light and he was life. And there was a rejecting, verse 11 says that there was a rejecting. His own did not receive him. His own did not receive him. But then in verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name. To be a child means that you were born at one point. And it said, who are not born of blood or of flesh or the will of man, but are born of God. They're born of God. And so there's this thing of coming to life in Christ. And as we 
have the same Father in heaven. As we are born of God by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us to take care of our sins. As we are born of God, we become children of God, which makes God our Father and which makes, if we have the same Father, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. I don't know about your family, but I know our family, not, it's not perfect, uh, whether it's our own family, my Julie and I and, and our three daughters and their husbands, they're not, none of us are perfect, but there is something amazing about as we are together in Christ, because of Jesus Christ, we have relationship, there's not strained relationships. And if there is issue or whatever, it's something that we can work through. And I recognize that sometimes when we look at our own families or we just say, oh, man, you know what? There's no relationship there. I'm struggling with relationship. And I'm, I'm struggling even to the point of, of loving somebody that, that I should be close to. And sometimes it's even within the family, within, uh, with, a, with a spouse or whether it's children or whether uh, it's relatives or a father, mother, whoever it may be, there is a struggle perhaps to love. And so today I want to I talk about this because it may be whether it's in your family or in your, the relationships that you may have or maybe it's in, even in the body of Christ and the family of God as we have the same father. We are brothers and sisters Onto the Lord, there should be a love that we would have for one another. If you have your Bibles, John 13, 34, and 35, and today, as always, uh, there will be much scripture because if I just give my own opinion, that's exactly all it is. But when we stand on the Word of God, even in the storm, we get through it. The rains may descend, the floodwaters may rise, the wind may beat against the house, the house of your life, your existence, your, who you are, but it will stand as we hear the word of God and we do it. So, are you having problems loving? Are you having problems loving? Listen up. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Again and again, there is this commandment of the Lord that we would love one another. He says, I want you to love one another, as I have loved you, that you would love one another. It is important that we love one another. Loving one another is a serious thing. In 1 John 2, listen to what it says, verse 9. 1 John 2, verse 9, it says, He who says he is in the light. If you say you're in the light of the Lord and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Listen, if we don't love our brother and sister... And we say we're in the light, we're children of God, and there's a, a hatred perhaps. There is a, the, the stumbling that will take place because we're not in the light. And you will recognize, man, if I'm having problems loving uh, 
within my, fa- my own f- biological family or whatever. And I recognize maybe you're in a situation where you have brothers or sisters or father or mother or relatives that are not believers. And I understand that there's sometimes there is a separation that takes place. Heading in different directions that we should still love. We should still make an attempt to reach out. But when it comes to brothers and sisters in the Lord, absolutely, we should not hate. And we should not hate our our parents or or any relative uh, that is, even if they are not saved, we should love regardless. There is no cause for us to stumble as we love our brother. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded the eye. This is, this is a, a, a truth from the Lord to us, even as John, the disciple of Jesus, was inspired to write. So much of what he writes is about the love, even in, in the gospel, according to John, and as it was given, as he, what, what he saw, he speaks of the love of God and the love that we need to have for others, as Jesus indicates and says, you, you must love one another, love one another. I know sometimes we have problems to say, well, but pastor, what about the fact that they're doing this and they're doing that? And man, it is so wrong. Or there's nothing in common. Loving others doesn't mean condoning their behavior or their actions or anything like that. You can love even when somebody is going astray. You can love people that are not where they're they're supposed to be at. And sometimes, even as the the people we interact with, the the family members or whoever that we're interacting with, sometimes there's a, a... a lashing out at you. Loving doesn't mean condoning sinful action. In fact, Jesus loved the woman that was caught in adultery. I I believe it was truly a a setup. It's interesting that the man wasn't in in the picture. They didn't drag the man out. According to the law, they were, they were both supposed to be stoned. And that's why they, they had taken up stones. And here, they, the woman was, was brought out. Once again, the man wasn't there. They weren't quite following the law. And they were ready to stone they, this woman. And they had st- rocks in their, their hands. And they, they're saying, so the law says that they, she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? It says that Jesus began to write in the sand. And I don't know. Maybe he was writing the names of these religious people and, and leaders, writing the names of, of maybe the women or the woman that they had been unfaithful to or they had been, there had been an adulterous thing happening or, uh, and it says that from the oldest to the youngest, the oldest left, left first. Maybe it was the first name. They, they, they start leaving because they're what, the Lord knows all things. 
And finally, when there was no one left, he said to, to the woman, he says, I don't condemn you. I don't con he says, where are your accusers? Where are those that would condemn you? The Lord Jesus says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. The Lord, even to us, loves us. But I'll tell you, sin is a nasty thing that we need to deal with. And that if we don't deal with it by the blood of Jesus Christ, as we place our faith, as we confess, Lord, I am a sinner, I place my faith in you and what you did for me on the cross to take care of every single sin. Our faith in Jesus Christ to take care of our sins is critical for us to have life on this side of heaven and to have life eternal. You know what? I, I mentioned earlier that uh, sometimes we don't, we, we don't always agree on stuff. And in the last year and a half plus, I, I recognize there are varying views on what's going on and how to respond to it. There should not be any issue in the church between relationship uh, between a brother or sister that has a, an opposing view to you or would have an opposing view to me. I don't I, I haven't I haven't said this or that. This is where what my stance is on, on this. The one thing that I have said is this that we would love one another and that the work of the Lord would continue on despite what your view may be. And so a lot of times, and I've seen this, that because of a differing view, that people are stuck, they may say, well, okay, you have a differing view than I do, so I'm no longer going to have relationship with you. To the point that it, it begins to affect, because we, have, we, are, we are in disagreement, it, it affects relationship. I can't have relationship with so-and-so because they don't have the same view as me. That is not how it should be in the body of Christ. And over the years, in our biological family, as we were growing up, I can remember there were times where there was disagreement, and sometimes things got heated, and, and sometimes there was a raising of, of, of voices because there was uh, this intense debate going on. But at the end of the day, we didn't just say, well, you know what, that's it. I don't want to have relationship with you anymore because I'm of disagreement. At the end of the day, we were still family. And family needs to be together. And family needs to love, even if we have opposing views on certain things. Because we have been saved and we have been forgiven. And we've been given life because the Lord Jesus loves us. You know what? For 14 years, I taught in special ed. And this is what I came to recognize about being in a situation. And I had this special ed, special ed behavior. The worst of the worst came to the class, this behavioral class. They were identified. They were... Life was extreme for them, whether it was from JK 
kindergarten, senior kindergarten, right up to grade eight. And I had every year, I had a whole, there was a range of kids. It was a maximum of eight kids in the classroom. There was myself and a child care worker in the classroom. You know what I've came to realize? I could remember one time this kid was so upset and he was losing it, would, would have hurt himself or others. And, it, and so there was a, a, a restraining. We were allowed to restrain physically. I've had kids try to headbutt me. I've had kids spitting all over me. And what I've came to realize and recognize very early on is you need to separate behavior from the individual, sin from the individual. Not to say that it's not their sin. You deal with it. But you need to separate behavior from the individual. Otherwise, if, they're, if it's combined together, what happens is, oh, I, I don't like this person because of their behavior. No. I was talking to somebody this past week. I was just saying, you know what? One of the things that we need to do is we don't condone the sin, just like Jesus. I don't condemn you. I love you. Jesus said, I love you. But go and sin no more. So one of the things that I would do, we would deal with the behavior. In fact, within a very short period of time, so often there were such tremendous changes that took place because truly I cared about the kids that came in. And it was the love of God that allowed me to stay in that setting for 14 years. And to be able to say to them, you know what? I would say to these kids, whether JK or whether grade 8, whatever age group, say, you know what? I like you. I like you. I don't care for the behavior or I don't care for, for this behavior. I, even did, I would not even say, I don't care for your behavior. I would just say, I don't care for this behavior. It needs to stop. There will be consequences. But I like you. When it comes to this thing of relationship, just a little tip for you. Is sandwich it in love. If you have an issue with somebody, to go and speak with them. We'll, we'll see that at the end if I watch my time here. Sandwich, the sandwich. You have a piece of bread on the top and the bottom. You have meat in the middle. There's a lot of people, they don't like confrontation. They don't like dealing with issues. If you have an issue with somebody that needs to be straightened out, you can start with that top or whatever. You want to start at the bottom, whatever. That piece of bread. And the bread, let it be... A, an indication of love, whatever that may be. Whether it's a comment, hey, I, just, I want you to know I love you so much. And then there's a dealing with the issue. There's something that we need to talk about. And you deal with the issue. This, this thing is, is causing conflict between us. It needs to be straightened out. And as you, you don't beat around the bush, this, this thing here is causing a problem. You, you mention it. 
Sometimes people don't even know that what they're doing or saying is, is a problem. And other times they do know or they've, it was a one-time thing or whatever, and they're feeling so bad about it, they haven't even come to you, and they want to make things right. And oftentimes they're not even ready to... It'll be years sometimes that there's been a conflict and there's no relationship there because nobody... It's, and you might say, well, who should initiate? It says those in, in Galatians 6 verse 1, it says those that are spiritual... Whoever is more spiritually mature in the, in the situation, it says to restore those who have, have fallen or slipped or whatever. There's been a problem. Those that, so oftentimes it's the person, and we'll see that as we, as we end the service, it was the person that had been wronged that initiated the, the, the relationship building and getting things right. So you, you have that statement or comment of, of love, I love you, you deal with the situation, you work it out, make things right, whatever you need to do, and then you end with a comment of love. I used that for 14 years, numerous, numerous times. You know what? I didn't leave as, as much. There were times where, yeah, kids were suspended. I tried not to suspend any kids to deal with the situation at school, and not, not just to push it aside, but hey, let's deal with it right now. By the end of the day, and sometimes I would keep them after school, that one kid that was spitting all over me was after school. But by the time that he left, this individual, I said, hey, and there were, yeah, there were consequences. Con consequences were served. I don't have problems with consequences. To, to have discipline and co uh, correction and instruction. There's an instructing, but at the end, this individual, there was this, this sandwich thing used with him. And he, I guess he couldn't believe, how can this person say that they like me and I spit on them? By the time this little guy left, he was only eight years of age, I remember. Still, it's right in my mind. I knew exactly where I was. That was years ago, 25 years ago. There was this thing of getting it right in relationship. So when the, everything was said and done, I said to him, I said, what do you say? Rather than calling me Mr. Spadzinski, I just say, hey, I tell the kids the first day, call me Mr. S. It's a little bit easier. I said, what do you say to Mr. S? This little boy said, I'm sorry. Mr. S, I'm sorry. There's a thing of, yeah, I forgive you. I care about you. Don't like, I didn't like, yeah, hey, who likes being spit on? I like you. And the kid came back to school the next day. There was nothing. The relationship had been mended and healed and dealt with. Everything was dealt with. I just, within the body of Christ, we would love one another. We would deal with things if there's, there needs to be things, relationship dealt with and, and made right. Now, you might say, Pastor, how could you be in a situation where 
yeah, people are spitting at you. I'll tell you, there were things that were said to me that were so extreme that God stepped in at a number of times where it wasn't me necessarily giving consequence. It was God saying, no, that is way out of line. And there was, you know, it says that we should not repay evil for evil, but that we should repay good for evil. And sometimes it means, yeah, maybe uh, there's a dealing with negative extreme things and whatever, we deal with it. But he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. There are times where God will step in and there's a repayment and it came, I'll tell you, it would come swiftly. A few times stand out in my mind, I don't even want to share because it, it was so extreme. How quickly the, the, the vengeance of the Lord saying, hey, this, this kid was probably one of the worst kids in Niagara Falls, was one of the worst kids in Niagara Falls at that time. In fact, the class that this, this grade 8 student came from, the teacher was a good teacher, a solid teacher, a disciplinarian, cared for the students, had never had any problems. And this kid came from that class, was saying, oh, my goodness, and he was extreme. And when there's a stepping over the line, you know what? The Lord will deal with it. It's not up to us to say, hey, we're going to get even. I'm going to get even. How can you do things when it comes to loving others? And I just quickly want to, uh, I'm not talking today about uh, necessarily brother, the brotherly love of friendship. The, uh, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It comes from uh, this word love. Uh, that is, in the Greek, is Philadelphia, which talks, or philios, which talks about a brotherly love or friendship. I'm not talking about the love, the romantic love, where you get these butterflies in your stomach. You know, I, I remember getting butterflies. Guys, you, you, know, we, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the first time I saw my wife, it was like, oh, my goodness, 18 or 16 years of age, the first time I saw Julie. And it was like there was, a, there was a, an immediate response to just seeing her for the first time. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about God's love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, you know this chapter. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Just ring it in. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. All the good things that I can do. And I don't love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And it says what love is. And you'll recognize it's not so much a thing of emotion as it is a thing of choice and action. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, Jesus, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You might say, well, what does it mean to abide? Now abide. If you could use the wor another word, it would be remains. Now remains. And it, it, it is in reference to place, whatever place you are in, faith, hope, and love, these three remain. The greatest is love, but they shall remain whether, no matter what place you are in, what situation you're in, what time it is, doesn't matter what time. There's not a time where it says, well, no, it doesn't exist anymore, or it's too late, or whatever. Or whatever state you may be in, whatever things of extreme and uh, uh, things going on in your life doesn't matter, faith, hope, love. Now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. It remains. It doesn't change. It does not change. This goes way beyond the Old Testament commandment in Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus referred to that in Matthew chapter 22 again when they said, hey, what is the greatest? What are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, your mind and strength with all your being. Love the Lord your God. And the second commandment is just as great as, as that is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is going even beyond to love somebody like yourself. You might say, I don't, even, I don't love myself, so it's not easy. Or I, don't, I, I have issue with myself, who I am, and whatever. So I may have issue with others then. Because I, I, I have problems loving myself. This goes beyond that. Now I want to I get into now some meat. Just listen to the meat. You know, you're not just having the milk of the word to have the meat this morning. There is a thing of love being perfected in us. It becomes more and it becomes, can come, become perfect to really begin to love others, even those that, that are, man, they're opposed. You say, I, how can I love that person? I could never love them. The ability to love comes through three things. Through the propitiation. Faith in the propitiation and by the Holy Spirit. And I know right now you're saying, the what? Okay, let's get into the word quickly. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but he, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here again is this, this statement. In fact, if you read that first letter of John, it's, it's stated again and again to love, 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 love. And this is love. Let me read it again. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, so the, the, the propitiation. In different passages, it says, it will say a propitiation. This one is saying the propitiation. So what is a propitiation? It is used of the cover of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, which was sprinkled with the blood of the expiatory victim on the annual day of atonement. You say, what are you talking about? God gave law, the Ten Commandments, and there is 603 other ones that were given as well, not just Ten Commandments. And with it, there was a, recogn a recognizing that people could not keep the law. And so once a year on the Day of Atonement, would be around the October time, the priest would take a sacrifice, and there would be a cleansing of him, there would be a cleansing of the people, by the sacrifice of, a, of an animal, a bull, one year old, and there was a sacrifice, there was a shedding of blood, a lamb, a shedding of blood, and the blood was taken into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was where the presence of the God was in the ark. It was like a, a box that had a lid on it, and there was covered with gold, and in it was the, the, the Ten Commandments. There was manna. There was this bread that fell from heaven as they wandered in the wilderness, and they were being fed. And there was Aaron's rod, this, this rod that was actually budding, just like this, this thing here, right here. See, this, I, I'm, I'm surprised that this is actually budding. It's already been cut weeks ago, and it's, it's just in the ground or in the water, and it's budding. But this thing was, not, there's no light, no water, and it was budding, and it was in the Ark of the Covenant. And so the priest would come once a year on the Day of Atonement and make atonement or a covering for all the people. All the people, for himself, his family, and all the people. And on that day, as he went in, it was a serious thing. If he didn't do everything right, but the main thing was the blood, and the blood was sprinkled on the lid, the covering of this, this box. There's angels fashioned out of gold that were facing each other on the lid, their wings spread out to, towards each other, and there was blood put on this ark lid. So let me read it again. So <clears throat> propitiation, used of the cover of the ark of the covenant in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, which was sprinkled with the blood of the expi expiatory victim, this animal, lamb, on the annual day of atonement, this rite, signifying that the life of the people, the loss of which they ha had merited by their sins, because of their sins, they're, they're, they, they've trespassed, was offered to God in the blood as the life of the victim, and that God, by his ceremony, was appeased and their sins expiated as taken care of. In Hebrews, it talks about the blood being shed. He's saying that the blood of, of, of goats and bulls and lambs cannot take a wash away our sins. But Jesus, that's why he was called the Lamb of God, and that's why he had to go to the cross, because without the cross, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is nothing to take care of our sins. The only thing that the Father sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
to love others, it has to be the only way we can truly love others is to have faith as we recognize our own sinfulness, but to place our faith in that, that one-time act, the most important act in all of history, in all of mankind, past, present, and even that which is to come, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us 2,000 years ago. The people were looking forward to the cross that lived before the, the Jesus gave his life, and the people that lived at that time, they began to believe. They believed in Jesus. Those that believe in Jesus, they have life. And those, as we look back, we have life in Jesus as our faith is in the propitiation, his shedding of blood for us, the propitiation this, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you want to have love for people and, and, and amazing, it, is, it starts with our faith. It's through the propitiation, the act. It's already been done, so it doesn't have to be done. That part's already done. The second part is to have faith in the propitiation, in the act of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. So the work that Jesus did for us to, to truly love in a way that would allow even somebody to spit on you or to do something and you don't react is through, is already given to us by what he did for us on the cross. And as we have faith in the propitiation, you may say, really, Pastor? Romans 3, verse 21 says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So it's, it's no longer, I have to keep the, all the commandments for my salvation and to be right before God and for, for even to love God. It's already been taken care of. It's apart from the law. Anything that I can do, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the law all pointed towards Jesus, and the prophets, they all pointed towards Jesus and what he would do one day. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. And we fall short for, of the glory of God, even to come into his presence. But being justified, being made right freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He redeems us. He's able to take care of the sin issue whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. There was a sacrifice. This is what is acceptable to God. The only thing that is acceptable to God for our sin is our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, his blood shed for us. And then it says, through faith. It happened 2,000 years ago. We, we, we were not there. We couldn't be there. But we look back by faith. And it says to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So he passed over and that, that passing over was because of the fact that they had faith in what he said. Hey, you know what? This is what you do on the day of atonement. Or there were also sin offerings and trespass offerings, as you read in Leviticus, that were given. All had to do with the shedding of blood to take care of our sins. So he passed over the sins of those that were previously, had been previously committed before the cross to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he 
might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus, so critical. You say, well, what does this have to do with love and the love for, for me to love others? Once again, referring back to 1 John 4, 10 and 11, and this is love, not that we love God. It wasn't because we love God. He loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then a statement, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. To love one another. Galatians, the third part is the Holy Spirit. So the propitiation has already been done. So I have faith in what Jesus did for me. And now, as I have faith in what Jesus does for, did for me, the Holy Spirit can now start to do this work of giving you a love that you could not have without Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We're not talking the fruit of our spirit. We're talking the fruit of the Holy Spirit as our faith is in Jesus Christ. You say, I, I don't read that there. Look at what it says in the very next verse. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This thing of crucifixion. We, can be, we are crucified with Christ by faith. And what he did for us on the cross, only by faith. Because that happened 2,000 years ago. And so the flesh is crucified with all its passions and desires. It says, I'm going to get even. That person did this to me. I'm going to get even with them. Or, you know what, don't talk to me like that. And we lash out. Or are we there to defend ourselves? I know. We've all been there. I've been there. The fruit of the Spirit as we are crucified, there's basically a, rem a remembrance of what he did on the cross for us. So I go there by faith. Because it says in the next verse, it says, if we live in the spirit, and you're alive in the spirit. He says, you've been made alive in the spirit because your faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. It says in the next uh, part of the verse, it says, let us also walk in the spirit. Basically, every step that we take is in the power of the Holy Spirit. How? By faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. It's so easy because it's no longer us trying to be this good person or trying to, oh, man. See, you can control yourself, but, man, what's going on in your head when somebody does something to you? Oh. And the, the thoughts start coming, and, and the thoughts lead to attitudes and emotions that are ungodly, that are sinful. Man, I, oh. And there's even sometimes this thing of a root of bitterness starts to grow in us because we, we don't want to forgive. And, and so now there's this thing of actions that are extreme. The Lord is saying if we live in the Spirit, you've been made alive in the Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ, let us also walk in the Spirit. Each step that we take each and every day, and then it says, let us not be become conceited. What's a conceited person? Conceited person says, I know everything, and I can do anything, and because I am so great. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Because if we as we become conceited, our faith is in ourselves, and now there's a provoking of one another because the relationship isn't getting straightened out. And there's, or there's an envying of one another of where a person might be at or whatever. 
if the situation is not being taken care of. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. There's that word abide again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What is the greatest commandment Jesus kept? It was before time began, and there was an agreement between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus always existed. But there was a moment in time 2,000 years ago where he came to this planet. He was in agreement. They were in agreement that Jesus would go to the cross. That's why Jesus, just before he died, he said, not my will, but your will be done. If this cup, if this suffering that I have to go through could pass, Jesus could have said, you know what, Father? Oh, man, is it tough to be a human being? It is so tough to be a human being. I, I, I to be hungry, to feel pain, and I know what's coming, and to be crucified. He was fully human, and he was fully God. And he said, not my will, Father, your will be done. In Philippians, it talks about it. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, this thing of submission, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, willing to say, I submit, and coming in the likeness of man. He came as a baby, and he was, or he came, and from the point of conception right through till he died on the cross, it says, and, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has exalt, highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of, of those under the earth, and er, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Choice that you have to make, that we all make, I will bow my knee and I will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus, the greatest commandment he kept was going to the cross for you and I. He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, to be in his love and that the love of God would flow through us. He says, we can do that as well. God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's this referring back to the fact that Jesus died for us. One of the greatest uh, verses, and you know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The love of God. And we can have it. These things I have spoken to you, John fifteen eleven, that my joy may remain in you. And that you, your, your joy may be full. There's a perfecting. Not only we have love there, that there's a joy. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And of all the things, Jesus laid down his life for us. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. And you did not. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it and give you. The Lord says, I want to do things even as you would ask the Father. These things I command you, that you love one another. He says it again. Love one another. Hallelujah.
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In a few minutes, we will be just extending the right hand of fellowship. There's so much more I want to, in fact, I think I'm going to use this for next week because I don't want to, I've already kept you long enough. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.